<laughs> you know, it's funny. This reminds me of a joke. See, there were two guys locked in a lunatic asylum. And one night, one night they decided they didn't like that anymore. They decided to escape. So they made it up to the roof, and there, just across this narrow gap, they see rooftops stretching across town, stretching to freedom. Now, the first guy, he jumps right across, no problem. But his friend, oh, no way. He's afraid of falling. So the first guy, he has an idea. He says, hey, I got this flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings, and you can walk across the beam and join me. But the second guy says, what do you think I am, crazy? You just turn it off when I'm halfway across. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Finally here. So I watched the Killing Joke last night. B before we get into it, let's do a little bit of uh, setup. First of all, I do want to apologize to everybody. I don't fully have my voice today, um, but believe me, this is this is worth overcoming for that. I got my Mountain Dew here to hydrate. So. Oh, you're but you're much better than you were yeah. Sunday. Oh boy, I am. Yeah, I couldn't actually talk on Monday, um, which was bad because I. Because after I watched it, I wanted to rant and rave and scream. Um, welcome to the film room, and today we are going to be looking at two very giant extremes. We're going to be looking at Batman at his most extreme versions. We're going to be looking at the R-rated movie, uh, The Killing Joke. And we're going to be looking at the PG-rated Adam West and Burt Ward-voiced Return of the Cape Crusaders. One of them is brilliant, and you absolutely have to see it. Um, to the point that I was even, like, describing parts of it to Amanda and was cracking her up. The other is, the other is the killing joke. Um, yeah. I also have to get a disclaimer out of the way because my stance on the killing joke has never been very subtle. I wavered very strongly about was I even going to watch it. Ultimately, I watched it for the simple reason that, look, I really have loved doing the DC animated movies, and even the one that I really hated the idea of watching i still felt like i needed to see it for completion's sake but i knew that i couldn't watch it alone i couldn't watch it just my voice because there would be no credibility to it yeah i i have not read the comic i uh, I, I i knew the vague strokes of what happens and really if i had not seen this the vague strokes are all i would have needed to know because that's the comic yeah oh boy um I, I'm also going to point out that I'm not the only one that feels how I feel about this movie. No. Because um, indeed, God, no, I no, did no. ultimately heavily dislike it. Is it the worst of the animated movies? No, it's not. I, I still Really? Think, yeah, I still think Assault on Arkham is worse, honestly. Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I can't. But I'm, but I'm just like having a rough time imagining the worst. I also, I also think that the Invincible Iron Man, the... Uh, Marvel animated movie is way worse. Honestly, most of the Marvel animated movies are worse than this. Because at least this tried to do something they didn't even try. But oh my god, what this tried at and failed. Um, Yeah. I, I just, wow, I wow, did I really dislike it. Let's get the plot out of the way quickly, because there's two plots to this movie. The thing that people need to understand about this story is, it was soldered together, basically. They... The original story is only about 64 pages, which I'm going to point out, by the way, they've done another direct-to-video movie based on one of a, a story that was about that long, um, well, even shorter, even. Um, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way was uh, adapted, uh, which was a single issue, only about 30, 40 pages, was adapted into Superman vs. the Elite. Um, Y'all can look up my review on that one. I really loved that movie. I 
I think I even had it in my top five. Uh, ultimately, if I didn't, it's if I didn't, I still strongly recommend it. It's amazing. Here's the thing about that one, though. That one they fleshed out the single story that was actually there. Uh, writer uh, Joe Kelly actually adapted his own story for that movie, and he took his own story and fleshed it out, made it longer, put you know, built it up really made it a movie based on that story. Oh man, Superman vs. the Elite is so good. You really do need to see it. It's, it is the mo- it is the answer to Man of Steel, even though I really love Man of Steel. So I'm just saying, that's great. Is it on Netflix at all? It's not. I hate that they don't put more of these on Netflix because I really want you all to see more of these movies. In doing comics for rent, I really am surprised at how much I became a fan of these films. I really do think most of them are really worth discussing in the broader context of all of the comic book movies. So it's kind of sad that we're doing the one that got that we have to do this review of a movie that got the hype that I thought all of these movies should have gotten, uh, to the point where it was having sellout showings in most of the country. What, uh, The Killing Joke? Yeah, it, it, was, it was selling Ooh. out. Yeah, it sold out a lot of Fathom showings. Ah, jeez. It's, oh boy, and it got the push that I wanted these to get. And it so did not deserve it. And I will say that I, uh, uh, for our second movie that we will be discussing, uh, I actually did see that one in a Fathom showing. Yeah, I really encourage Fathom to keep up with what they're doing. I really love Fathom mm-hmm. in general. I've been saying for at least a decade that they need, uh, at least since they've started doing these, that they need to do this with the direct video animated movies. And I'm glad that they are now. Um, I love Fathom. I think what they're doing is innovative that's actually the first one uh fathom showing i've ever been to so that was nice uh have you ever been to a rift uh, to a rift tracks live event sadly no okay then because those are all done through fathom too uh, again i'm a huge fan i of wanted them. to again i'm a huge fan of them i'm a huge fan of what they're doing so let's get to the killing joke story because it's two stories awkwardly hammered together well actually first we need to get to a little bit of background about the killing joke before we can even get into that because because some people may not understand just how important this story is uh the killing joke was written by um alan moore who is not credited on the film as usual for his adaptations and uh illustrated by brian boland and boland's art is fantastic on the story i'm gonna say that and the movie does at least to its credit imitate a lot of his art that's one of the not that's let's get that out of the way because that's one of the few nice things i'm ever going to say about this film the story details the Joker kidnapping uh, Commissioner Gordon and trying to drive him uh, insane to prove that one bad day is all it takes to turn someone into someone like the Joker. And this is interspersed with flashbacks to the Joker's origin. At least we're made to think. I'm going to get to that as we get into the story. This is an extraordinarily influential story for just 64 pages. Tim Burton used it as source material for uh, Batman 1989. Christopher Nolan cited it. When was Killing Joke written? I believe it's 1986. Like, I think this might have been his follow-up to Watchmen, actually. Really? Which might explain... I didn't didn't know it was that old. Yeah, it it, it does predate... it's, it's, It's old enough that Tim Burton used it heavily as an inspiration. It, Ah. along with The Dark Knight Returns, are widely cited as the reasons that um, Batman took a turn for the darker in the comics. I disagree hard. Um, I would argue that it's really the stories of guys like um, Neil Adams. Frank Miller. Well, Miller, I I pointed out Miller. Um, While I do think that The Dark Knight Returns is important, I think it's a very good book, unlike pretty much everything else Miller would do afterwards. Um, (laughs) Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually think that the two movies that were made based on The Dark Knight Returns are excellent. I do highly recommend them. Uh, Peter Weller makes for an amazingly good Batman. I bet RoboCop would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. I, I, again, I'm going to be trying to point out the movies that y'all should actually be watching. Um, I also highly recommend Batman uh, Year One just for Brian Cranston as uh, Jim Gordon. <sighs> yes. Yeah. And Cranston gives his all to it, um, which you know, given given what his all is, it's not in not insignificant. So, <laughs> I, I would argue that you really need to look at the works of guys like Dennis O'Neill, Neil Adams, 
uh, so many other writers, Alan Brennert, a uh, few others. Um, there's a lot of writers from the 70s that really turned Batman away from the Adam West style. But this story was undeniably extremely influential, uh, even though it came after a lot of them. It was very influential. I hate it. I mean, I'm on the record as hating it. And I initially thought that I hated it for what it's best known for, which is, right. in addition to the Joker origin story, this is the story in which uh, Barbara Gordon is paralyzed and strongly implied to have been raped. We at least know she's undressed. Very, very, very strongly. Very strongly. Now, let me make this as clear as I can. The Joker is not a sexual deviant. That, that's, that, everybody are, always argues, well, the Joker would do something like this. I would argue, I, and I'm not a bear about canon, believe me, we're going to get into that in the second half of this cast. <laughs> but I would argue that it's unnecessary. It is completely unnecessary. And I would also argue that Alan Moore has an addiction to this trope. I don't know that Moore has ever done a story, maybe with the exception of some of his mainstream stuff where he couldn't get away with it, where he doesn't at least have the threat of sexual violence in it. This is Moore's bread and butter. It fills his works. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is filled with it. Which, by the way, I'm sorry. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is crap. I'm saying it. Watchmen is a masterpiece. It has it. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and it has it in a way that's really uncomfortable. So, just because I think Watchmen is a masterpiece doesn't mean I'm, I'm letting it off the hook for this. Moore has this addiction to this trope. It is to him uh, what prostitutes are to Frank Miller. So I'm just saying that. I'm calling more out on it. Prostitutes and Nazi imagery. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm safely guessing that a lot of people have turned it off now that I've uh, gone on a rant against Alan Moore. I don't care. He's overrated. <laughs> I, I also want to point one other thing about Alan Moore. Uh, he's the guy who very recently stated that uh, comic books are not for adults. Comic books for, are for children. And if you read comic books, you are an immature... Um, I forgot the exact words he used. But you need to grow up, basically. It's like, okay, then your entire career is what? Spite? Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. There are guys like Moore that run throughout comic books. And it's like, they don't like superheroes. Okay, then don't write them. And if you can't make a living not... If you can't work in the medium without writing them, then you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be working in the medium. And for the record, there are, you know, I know that it was different at, uh, at that time, but, you know, there were guys that did. There were guys that didn't work uh, on it. Seriously, if you really felt this strongly about something, don't do it. I don't like war stories, so guess what? I don't write. Right. You know, and if you really and truly did, was this the thing that he only thought he could make money at? Come on, plus, I know for a fact that's not true. He worked on Judge Dredd comics quite a bit. <laughs> so it's like, don't give me... So seriously, if you don't like... Like, guys like Garth Ennis, who I really despise. It's like, you know, Ennis has spent his entire career making fun of superheroes. Okay, then don't write them. And, and that's what I find so grating about it. Um. So, yeah, if... You know, me, I love superheroes. I unabashedly love them. I love the genre. And I love them because they do satisfy that need for something immature in our lives. They're a therapy. They're a release. They're a break. And God forbid in a world that's this dark and oppressive and frustrating that we should have a release. So that's my response to that comment. If it's not clear when I don't yeah. have my voice, that's when I get the angriest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding back today. So anyway, oh no, you shouldn't. So anyway, let's get to the movie because okay, the story has all this material, but it's so little. Can I sum it up? <laughs> Please do. I want you to do it because you can probably do it better than I can, and I need to rest my voice. Yeah, the reason I ask is because why this is my first exposure to the actual material, and I just want to. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so. The first half hour of the film is dedicated to... It's it's from Batgirl's perspective. And it's her working at a library and having a crush on Batman, basically. Not in the comics. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I guessed that bit. And, like, she's complaining to her gay friend about it, because of course she is. And, oh my god, is he a despicable stereotype, by the way. Oh, he's terrible. He is, he is literally everything Patton Oswalt was making fun of. So, you and Yoga Guy? Yeah, a few nights ago. Girl, you've been holding out. How was it? I've seen that look before, sweetie. You, you want to, um, <laughs> do a, a, something with his cock, I guess. I don't know. So, and she, this is coupled with the frustration of, uh, they're on a case where the guy, it's, a, it's like the son of a mob boss yeah. and named Perry France. Yes. Yeah, and of course, Batgirl does make a comment on how ridiculous that name is. That doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it, no. Oh, wait, this, again, this movie's trying to take itself seriously. Funny enough, that feels more like a Batman 66 yeah. villain name than... Yeah. But, anyway, it doesn't belong here. Um, and by the way, he completely overpowers her multiple times. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah, he... But, yeah, Batman is saying, okay, you know, he... Okay, let me back up. He um, develops a crush on Batwoman. Or Bat, Batgirl, excuse me. Um, <laughs> yeah, he develops a crush on Batgirl. And, like, sends her messages and, you know, blows her kisses and blah, blah, blah. And then Batman's, like, uh, rightly slow. Nah, he's, he's, he's too close to this one. He And he actually, in this film, he dares to use the sentence... He's objectifying you, so you need to stay out of oh, this one. Oh, movie, movie, you don't get... It's like... You don't get to use that. You don't get to do that. You don't get to use that argument. No. <laughs> no. You've lost that right. Of course, Batgirl doesn't, and she falls for all of his traps. Mm. And she even says that, yeah, I know I'm probably walking into a trap, but I don't care, because I'm going to do it, because... Defiance? I don't know. In this version, I really don't know. I don't know. In this version, Batgirl is not very bright. No, no, I don't get her motivations throughout this entire thing. No. Even though she clearly tries to state them, I still don't understand it. Um, and then, like in a frustrated bout with you know Batman trying to limit her on this case, saying like, you're off the case, we're partners. You know if. If you don't, uh, in order to be, in order to work with me, you have to follow my orders because I'm in charge. Blah, blah. Uh, and then, for some reason or another, uh, a fight turns into sex. Yes, Batgirl whips her top off. We do see her in her bra. So again, movie, you don't get to talk about objectifying. No, no, no. Oh God, you don't. And that's the segment. Basically, ends with. Uh, the guy killing his mob boss father, uh, and like a power move, and having Batgirl be witness to the well, not be witness to it, but f having Batgirl find the mob boss. Again, I don't really get his his motivations either. It's kind of stupid. Don't make any sense. So it ends with a confront. That part ends with a confrontation, uh, where she basically punches into a bloody pulp, and uh. He survives, of course, but you know, he's carted off to jail, and, and then she... By the way, we, should, we, we need to explain something very important about the sex scene. Batman is voiced by Kevin Conroy in this. So, there you go. Enjoy your childhood. Oh, and uh, Batgirl is voiced by Twilight Sparkle, so... And you're right, the acting from her was very good. Yeah, Tara Strong does a fantastic job with nothing material. It is... It's unfair how good she is with this terrible material. It's completely unfair, yes. Because she's so good in it. I should also back up because after the sex scene, then things get really awkward. No. Well, what about after you get him? What then? Are we back in business? Oh, come on. We'll talk later. It was just sex, for God's sake. It doesn't have to mean anything. It's not like we have to care. I don't care. You don't care. We just go back like it was. That's all. Please. Later. 
God, this movie is this. Oh, the entire point of this prologue, by the way, was to make it better, was to make it better in the viewer's eyes. No, Uh, no. It makes it so much worse. It makes it so much worse. Um, I want to point out that this prologue, instead of making the shooting feel more meaningful and more powerful, it makes it feel worse. Because, first of all, she goes up against a nothing villain. She goes up against... And I even said on publicly that I preferred this segment to what came, and that is true. I did prefer it. Because at least this segment could have been a boring Batman the Animated Series episode, except for the sex scene. Except for the sex scene, yeah. But it wasn't the batshit lunacy we're going to get into. So I just want to make that clear. But this entire segment... She's up against a nothing villain. She's not even up against a villain from the comics. And she's, most importantly, not up against the Joker, which would have, you know, unified the two halves of the film. Yeah, and I, I fully expected him to show up at any time. It's yeah, like, because okay. you're watching this because it's supposed to be the great Joker story. He's not in it for 30 minutes. Yeah, I even, like, tried to reason with myself what they were trying to do, because I know that this is entirely not canon with anything. Uh, except for, well, what we'll discuss later, what ended up going to canon, but but on the whole, this really isn't canon with anything. So it's like, well, is is, is Paris France, like, supposed to be Joker's origin? Or nope. is he, like, because I can't, because I looked at it, it's like, he kind of looks like his face could be a Joker face, but it's like, no, no, he's just, he's a common criminal. Was it? And... It's like, oh, okay then. It really is amazing how very little, uh, nothing of this, um, it, it is. Um, yeah, and then so her bit ends with, uh, her basically turning in her, uh, bat suit and saying, you know what? I'm not made for this. I'm gonna do my own thing. I quit. Batman accepts, and... Then her bit ends, and he's like, "Oh well, that wasn't the that wasn't the end of the story, though." And then it goes into a complete style and tone shift. Uh, I want to point out, by the way, this is the very first full-length screenplay by the uh, film's writer. That's too bad. Uh, Brian Azzarello is traditionally a comic book writer. He's not the first comic book writer for DC to hire. Um, as I noted, uh, Joe Kelly uh, did his own stuff. Uh, uh, Judd Winnick adapted his story uh, for Batman Under the Red Hood, which, good God, deserved a theatrical release a billion times more than this did. Under the Red Hood is just... I, I never stop raving about it. So, they've hired comic book writers before. The difference was they all had screenwriting experience. Uh, all Azarello has done is one short uh, animated film, and that's it. So... So yeah, so it shouldn't come as any shock that this is kind of a disaster on the script level. But as you noted, yeah, there's that brief bit where it's like, okay, and then it wasn't over, and then everything shifts, and that's when we get into the actual adaptation. Just to be clear, it takes 28 minutes of this 76-minute movie to become an adaptation. Yeah, I mean, and it's the style shit. Like, if you've ever seen... Uh, if you've ever read an Al Moore film, like even if you just read Watchmen, you will immediately recognize the shift to Alan Moore's yeah uh, style. It's ridiculous how much this doesn't, how much these two halves do not cohere at all. No, um, I'm gonna cite a point. Uh, Lance Rutt made this point, and I thought he was dead on. Uh, that it's like watching an exploitation film where two parts have been awkwardly put together. Right. And that's what that's what it is. It's an exploitation film. Yeah. This is a mistake that so many films featured on Mystery Science Theater make. Where it's their two stories put together very badly. Right, right. That's what this is. Um, so then it gets into the shift. Yeah, the shift. Yeah, and so, okay, so the second story begins with Batman finding all these bodies that have had smiles plastered on their faces, which of course is the Joker trademark. Uh, so he goes to Arkham Asylum and you know to talk with the Joker, and for some reason he wants to talk about not the crime but the fact that maybe he doesn't need to do crime. 
the dialogue that the dialogue that he has here is taken straight from the comic and it is I imagine so absolute shit is what it is it is yeah i mean i can see i can absolutely see where uh the influence lies because a lot of the i imagine that a lot of the dialogue and shots and uh transitions are taken directly from the comic because it feels so much out more i can absolutely see where later works have quoted this yeah have quoted all of it yeah and yeah because i recognize bits and pieces from here and there you can see what nolan took definitely but you can also yeah, see what yeah. he's smart enough not to take right like the origin story yeah because nolan took a lot from the uh of this for the dark knight the difference was christopher nolan is a great filmmaker sorry mason sorry I'm, i gotta say i gotta call it like i see it nolan's a great filmmaker and he knew what he was doing sorry mason and sorry sean from no totally because i know he absolutely hates christopher nolan yeah sorry we gotta call him like we see him yeah <laughs> but that's okay i understand why yeah I don't agree, but I understand yeah. the reasons. But anyway, the point that we're making is that dialogue is... that To me, it was that scene that made me realize, oh, I don't just hate this for the sexual violence. Oh, no, no, no. No, I... Yeah, the whole thing is very stilted. Um, it's just the reasoning behind everything. And I always, I always foam and froth about how great Kevin Conroy is when it comes time to these reviews. You can check, and I'm pretty much on the record as always praising him. I'm not going to do that this time. He's pretty bad in this, frankly. Yeah, he's not the best. Um, Mark Hamill is good, as always. Um, He's trying. uh, I absolutely, like, especially after seeing Nolan's version, I agree that Joker should absolutely not have an origin story. Yeah. Like, he he is scarier when you don't know where he came from. Like this is probably the most this is probably the most effort I have ever seen put into trying to humanize the Joker. Yeah, but then but we're get, we'll get to it. I I want to hold off on getting to that just yet because I really want to say some stuff about that. Yeah, I I also have a point to make on that. Um, but but anyway, so basically, yeah, it's the rest of it is intercutting between Joker's backstory, which at first confused the shit out of me because the first Joker flashback comes after right after Batman visits Arkham Asylum and realizes that the person that's in there as the Joker is not the Joker but somebody in his makeup that uh, the Joker sent to replace him because he's broken out and then it cuts to a flashback it's like wait is this supposed to be the guy yeah. It shows a guy coming home from work. It's like, is this supposed to be the guy that we just saw? Like, is this his thing? It's like, no. Uh, and then it took me until, like, maybe the second flashback to realize, oh, this is supposed to be Joker backstory. Yeah. Okay. Like, it took me until them mentioning the chemical plant. It's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I don't think this is necessary, but I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, and then it cuts to... Uh, Joker buying an abandoned carnival. Because of course. Because of course. Of fucking course. I also don't think that's uh, any any Joker anything should show Joker setting up his plans <laughs> for stuff. No, cause because... Because then it looks really ludicrous. Yeah. It's just a lot better if you see it. Just like in... Just like the end of uh, Mask of the Phantasm, another recommendation... Uh, it's just better if you see the Joker plans in action, not him setting it up. Yeah, it really is. Um, so you have that going, and then, God, where else does it go? Uh, then, you, then of course, you have, then, of course, he goes and he shoots Barbara Gordon, kidnaps Commissioner Gordon. And by the way, the shooting of Barbara Gordon in this movie is handled as badly as I think they could have handled it. It's slow motion. You see the blood. Giving this movie an R rating was a... I thought it was a bad idea, and wow, was it indeed a bad idea. What I remember is you describing his white face and green hair. I was just a kid. Scared the hell out of me. I thought you'd be interested. Yeah. Well, I had some really interesting nightmares. 
Just for context on how they changed, how they did the adaptation, the very the first half of the movie is from Batgirl's perspective. It is strictly from Batgirl's perspective. She's barely in the second half. She is barely in the second half. She is only in the second half in the context of her shooting and the photos and her in the hospital. And then there's a bit at the end where she turns into Oracle. Which, by the and way, that's it. Let's be clear: Oracle was not always. Everybody always says that. Well, the shooting was worth it for Oracle. No. Oracle was not planned. That was actually a middle finger to the Killing Joke. Uh, John Ostrander <laughs> and uh, Kim Yale actually created the character as a response to the Killing Joke because they hated it so much, and that was their way of trying to fix it. So Good. don't don't give me this. That made it worth it. That was never planned. You don't you don't get to you don't get to praise a story because the retcon is a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't yeah. I don't give I don't give Hush a pass because it uh you know well actually I kind of have I think but I I still don't like that they did this. Um, Hush did that great bit where Jason Todd comes out of the grave and it's like oh my God Jason Todd is alive. Uh, one of Batman's <laughs> former Robins, and then it turns out it was Clayface. That was still a cheat, even though they later retconned it and revealed, oh, um, actually, when he first came out of the grave, that actually really was him. He, uh, it was <laughs> later in the fight that he switched out, which actually I thought was a great retcon. But again, Under the Red Hood is so goddamn good, y'all. It's so good. Uh, the movie and the comic are both great. Please, all of them. Just, anyway... But anyway, that's me talking about things I love to keep from... I always do that. I talk about things I love instead of things I hate. So, yeah. Of course. At least you're getting a lot of good recommendations out of this. Yeah. So, she's barely in it after that. So, so no. Yeah, she she maybe has three lines. It's pathetic. It, it is... Oh, God. So, anyway, she gets shot, and we get the origin story um, on and on. Meanwhile, Joker is trying to drive Commissioner Gordon mad, and that leads to the worst scene in any Batman project ever. I'm calling it. I'm not being hyperbolic. When I say that the musical number is the worst scene in... Ugh. I can't believe, like, the only thought that was running through my head during that sequence was, I cannot believe they made Mark Hamill do this. I'm Now, I'm reasonably certain that the Joker was singing during the comic during this scene, but you know what you do? You think about how this is actually going to play in real life, and you realize that it's a... it is... it doesn't work. That's why you adapt. Remember, the idea of adaptation is that you're changing things to make them fit. Right. And in some cases, make them better. Yes. Ideally, that's what you're doing. So yes, Mark Hamill's Joker, I kid you not, sings a musical number over Commissioner Gordon looking at photos of his daughter having been sexually violated. Yeah. She is clearly nude in the photos. That's She's been assaulted. She's been paralyzed. And there's a... I'm going to call it... I'm going to call it... Like, I'm not even going to say that it's heavily suggested that she was. She was. Yeah. Like, if you, if you look at those photos, which I assume are... Which I assume are ripped straight from the comic. Yeah, and I, I had a hard time looking at them. It was too disgusting to me. Yeah, she had tears in her eyes, and she had, like, there was... I mean, and the way that they are angled, it very much looks like Joker is taking pictures while on top of her, and that is not... Okay, let me, let me just be as unambiguously clear <sighs> as I can be. Do not do this in your story. You can do... No. So let me pause real quick because I got to go off on an editorial here. I am not saying you cannot do a story about rape. I want to talk about a show that did it extraordinarily well. Jessica Jones. Uh, Jessica Jones. Drawing. Yeah, I just passed that part. <laughs> also drawing from comics. Um, very good comics too. What this show did was exactly right. It refused to. Go, uh, first of all, it used the language. 
The word rape is spoken multiple times on the show. The show is unambiguous about it. Plainly and clearly. Even though the villain is a handsome, charming, got everything going for him character, the show underlines it that this was rape. What he did was sexual assault of the first magnitude. It was rape, and it lays it out. Oh, yeah. I recommend Jessica Jones so thoroughly. I... I am I'm down to the last three episodes. I'm finally oh, that's uh, finishing it. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying you can't do it, but if you're going to do it, you have to deal with the consequences. And more importantly, Jessica Jones is centered on the victim. It is about her. It is about her experiences. It is not about how she is hurt to hurt a man. The only reason all of this happens to Barbara Gordon is to drive her father mad. That is evil that is despicable that is that is horrible that is you're hurting a woman to to hurt a man that that's just no no yeah she yeah she is very much just it's 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 women in refrigerators is what it is it's women in refrigerators yeah but it's like by the way not coincidentally i should point out something the woman that coined that term by the way not coincidentally uh, was uh, Gail Simone, who would go on later ah. to, A, write uh, some of the best Oracle stories ever written, and then when uh, Barbara Gordon was healed during the New 52, would go on to write um, at least 25 ep- uh, issues of the character. So, yeah. So Gail Simone got to leave her mark hard on the character, and I recommend all of it. Anything Gail Simone writes, you can pick up pretty safely. She's amazing. Also, her, also, she's just, I mean, she's just a badass. Huge fan. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. I was, but I was floored after I was finished just how quickly, like, the adaptation goes from all about Batgirl to Batgirl as prop. Yeah, and that's the problem of this story. If anything, making it about her and then turning her into a prop makes it worse. And, <sighs> and I'm like, sorry, anybody who wants to come at me and go, blah, 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 SJW, feminist, blah, 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 blah. Well, first of all, Obviously, we're feminists. Proudly. So, uh, if, you, if you haven't picked up that we're feminists on this cast, you haven't been listening to it. That's kind of obvious, you know. It's like, throw it at us. We'll wear it proudly. Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> we, we've kind of underlined that. Uh, but it just, ew, it's, it's just everything about that sequence is bad and it's wrong. And then I'm going to argue that the movie keeps... It doesn't get worse than that because it's never gotten worse than that in Batman canon. But anyway, then Batman shows up. We discover that Gordon wasn't actually driven mad because, you see, men are strong. Uh. And then the story delivers its coup de grace, which is the revelation at the end of the Joker's origin story. He's like, well, sometimes I get the details wrong. Sometimes I remember it differently. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me just say something to this story. Mm -hmm. Go. No, I just I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna dignify that with a response. That is a giant middle finger to the viewer, is what that is. Mm-hmm. What that has basically done is it's no different than the ending of The Usual Suspects, where it's like, ha ha, we're smarter than you because we've got complete control of the story. In other words, everything we've learned about the Joker's origin is probably a great big lie. Uh, I did not ca- I did not pick up on that bit. That's what I took from it was that he was implying that at the very least it wasn't tr- at the very least it wasn't all true. So congratulations because you have control over the medium, you know. And when he says that about I prefer my past to be multiple choice, that's how comic book writers interpreted it. Not to take this origin as canon. You know who did that better? Who? <laughs> like the uh, Joker as unreliable narrator. I'm going to say it again, Dark Knight Rises. Like, he tells his old, his origin story multiple times, but each time it's different, and it's like, and yeah, then, that's then, how you do that. And then it leads to the great moment where he's trying to do it to, where he's trying to go into it to uh, Batman. By the way, the, by the way, I love the fact that the first guy that he tries to tell his origin to is uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, um, a man who once told uh, Dick Cheney to um, well, he, he's faced off, I, I believe it was either Dick Cheney told him or the other way around to go commit an unmentionable act. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was Dick Cheney who told him. 
So this is a guy that knows a thing or two about facing off against villains. Fun fact, uh, Leahy is also in Batman and Robin, so he's in both the best and the worst Batman movies. At least the worst Batman yeah. movie until now. Wow. Yeah. For the record, I consider Assault on Arkham to be a just uh, to be a Suicide Squad movie, not really a Batman movie. Yeah, I think I think the narrative difference there is that it's the Joker doing that is not the movie doing that yeah. on Joker's behalf because we don't see these stories. No, we're not made to, and they're not made to be so critical to the narrative. But when it does that, it's just a storytelling trick, and it, mm -hmm. and furthermore. The origin didn't get to carry over into canon, but you know what did? Huh. Batgirl not walking. That carried over into canon. That became canon. Oh, and the other uh, the other medium that does that a lot better is um, Gone Girl. Yeah. Okay, see, in the case of Gone Girl, it worked great because we were in the mind of a genuinely mentally disturbed person. And I'm going to get into the story's ver uh, thoughts on mental illness in a moment. Because I have so much I want yeah. to say. Yeah. Boy, I found so much more about this movie to hate than I expected. Uh, but here's the thing about how Gone Girl did it. The whole point was that we were experiencing what it was like to be dealing with someone who was unreliable. But eventually we found out the truth. Eventually it was made clear to us. And... That was the entire point of that character. <clears throat> that was, you know, that really was the entire point of that character, was that she was unreliable and untrustworthy. And you also strongly got the impression that a lot of what she said in that diary, even though it quote-unquote wasn't true, probably was true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I always kind of took it that the sequences that we saw were at least real events that happened. And she even says, I doubled back and made sure that the facts lined up. So I strongly right. suspect it was more about how she portrayed herself in them. But I've always strongly suspected that what happened in them wasn't the unreliable part. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... It, because he would remember their backstory. He would know it. It's more about how she would remember it. Yeah, exactly. But yes, she, I mean, she's lying, yes. And then, of course, she fakes her own death, and, well, that's the fun, oh, I love, you know what, really and truly, you want to watch, just watch that movie. Just watch that movie. Seriously, just watch that movie, because it's awesome. I, I, I don't think there needs to be a justification for watching it. Just watch it. It's great. Oh, yeah, it is. <clears throat> David Fincher and Gillian Flynn killed it on that. Um... Yeah, that's one of the only movies that I own purely digitally, just because uh, there was no, there is no way to rent it, and so I'm just like fucking, I'm buying it. Yeah, and it's worth and it's worth owning because it, it rewatches beautifully, seeing the pieces come together. By the way, that's also one of the few stories where I'm actually okay with the character lying about rape, because I kind of took that as an example of how she's so monstrous that she does that like it's the implication that you'd have to be a monster to do it you'd have to be a monster to lie about it that's the implication that's my other okay that was the other thing i was going to bring up for the end of the killing joke was you know trying to humanize the joker like there is a moment where he's just like no no it's too late for me blah blah it's like okay um okay trying to humanize a rapist um doesn't work no i'm sorry yeah there there are lines uh like this is me this is my personal belief Obviously. Uh, and it's one that i share for the record yeah there are lines that you cross uh where that make you a monster yeah no longer human like you give up you give up the right to call yourself human and that involves rape that involves child molestation uh once you cross those lines you are you have given up your rights as a human being you are a monster so I trying to humanize that is preposterous to me because it does not there's no going back from that sadistic murder definitely puts you there which the joker's legendary for maybe that's part of the point it's trying to make but batman is basically you know 
I assume Batman knows all of this. And let's, that all the stuff that he's done. Get... And he's still trying to say, hey, uh, I want to pull you back from the brink. And it's like, no, no, no. By the way, there's that whole ending, there's that whole idea where he's like, see, one bad day is all it takes. And, you know, even though the movie tries to refute that, you know how I know that that failed in its refutation? Because over and over again, I've heard people say that that's why they love the story. Because it shows how easy it is to make someone crack. So no one's listening to the idea that the movie that the movie and the book try to refute it. They're just so caught up in, and you know why it is? It's because they think the it's because they think that, that idea is attractive. It's attractive because it mythologizes evil. It mythologizes the idea of someone being a villain by saying, "See, it's so easy." Um, and this movie has such a juvenile attitude of good and bad, like the idea that. You know, the Joker is over and over again saying, you and I were just alike, because, as we all know, Batman had a bad day himself. Yeah, and and also, listen, uh, I would not go here if the film did not go there, but um, if, you, if that's your message, that, like, if that's what you're, like, I know the book and film are trying to refute it, but if that's what you take away from this, the, see, one, you know, one bad day takes to crack, it's like, um, what about rape victims? Yeah, Are you saying they're broken? Yeah, that doesn't describe... I, like, you... Because I know... Because I know for a fact that's not true. People come back from that. Like, they are not, you know, broken people. I mean, they had a terrible experience, and they worked hard as hell to come back from that. But, you know, they're not broken people. No, they're not. This is just... This is... This, no. I'm telling you, this movie's arguments are so shallow and pathetic it's, mm-hmm. it's it's garbage it, it really is it's just this is such a garbage nihilistic message and even though the story does try to like fight back against it it doesn't fight back hard enough it's still obviously in love with the nihilism yeah and let me tell you something also the end of this like i i already i went in knowing how this ends because i read an analysis of it like cracked has an analysis of it Saying, well, you know what? Uh, there's a reason it's called the killing joke. The Joker tells a joke to him at the end of it. And, like, it's just a run-of-the-mill. Like, I tried to figure out how it connects to anything uh, other than it just being a joke. Yeah. It doesn't. But then he, you know, he tells the joke. He starts laughing. And then Batman starts laughing. And they're both laughing. And then you see, as the camera pans down, you see Batman put... Uh, his hands on Joker's shoulders are both laughing. And then, at some point, Joker stops laughing and Batman continues. Uh, There's an interpretation of that that says, well, that's the moment when Batman kills the Joker. Well, we know that didn't happen, though. That didn't happen at all in canon. No. No, it didn't. Nor was it ever intended to be the ending. Let's underline that. Which begs the question, then, what was the point of this story? Yeah. This is such a pointless story. I, I really cannot say this enough. This is such a bad story. Like, I mean, I know so many of you love it, but this is objectively just a bad story. It's just a journey through the mud. What's the point of this? And it really does have, you know what it has? It is high school sophomore pop philosophy. It's the idea that hero and villain are the same person. Um, The idea that we're all capable of great acts of evil. And you know what? That's an interesting subject. And study Nazi Germany for evidence of that. I'm fascinated by it too. I just blogged about it even. But it doesn't have any depth to it. No. It's like, look, uh, there is a point to, you know, everybody is capable of evil. Yeah. Everybody is capable of terrible things, but, you know, there is a whole thing behind that, and, you know, the uh, you have to acknowledge the worst parts of yourself so you can, uh, so that you can brush them aside. Uh, that's not quite the wording I'm going yeah, for. Yeah, but, but, no, but, you so that you can deal with them, so that you can confront them. So you can deal with it, yeah, exactly. But, that's not what this is. This is just <laughs> juvenile. It really, 
It's funny that this is the first R-rated movie because it's really a juvenile film. Now, did this was this always going to be R-rated, or did it just become R-rated in the wake of? Yes, yeah, it was always planned as R-rated. Uh, and I think the only reason it is is because of blood, 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 and I think and the sex scene. I mean, even that's pretty TV level, but still. By the way, let's talk about the animation briefly. The animation is okay. Yeah. It's better than it looked in the trailer, but it's still not. It's 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 better than it looked in the trailer, but it still has some places where it's pretty bad. It's I would say it's about par for the direct-to-video stuff of late. Which the quality of animation has, as I've vocally noted, gone pretty downhill. Mm, yeah. Except for in the case of the next movie yeah. we want to talk about. <laughs> so let's do that, because my, my final verdict on The Killing Joke is it's it's bad. It's it's really bad. Run away from it. Don't don't see it. On the other hand, on the other hand, The Killing Joke, the comic was designed as a refutation to the uh Adam West Batman. So let's do the opposite now and use the Adam West Batman. Uh, but and I I want to start off by pointing out that this movie only got 2 months worth of hype. It was announced in mid-August and it got a digital release in mid-October. Yes, and it got and it got a one day uh, film show or a theater yeah, showing, which you got to go see. And yeah, I didn't know it was happening until that day. I'm glad I decided to go. And I'm just going to start off by saying right now that we're going to talk very minimally about plot. We're going to really limit what we say about it because we hard want you all to see this movie. We want you to see it. Yeah, this actually has quite a bit of this has a really good script structure this is a really yeah this is actually well here's the secret this comes from uh two veteran uh dc writers guys who've worked on it worked with them for years and who knew what the hell they were doing um i'm surprised this movie didn't get more advanced hype um i was really excited to hear about it but the limited advanced hype did make me worry that this was maybe going to be a cheaply made toss-off tribute maybe Maybe it was going to be like a shallow imitation of the 60s show. I don't know how much further that could have been from the truth. Um, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders is a giant love letter to the 1960s show. It plays like a lost two-parter, albeit a really well-soldered-together two-parter. I mean, it's this is the real deal. This is a lost Batman story. Uh, complete with Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar back in their roles of Batman, Robin, and Catwoman. Um, it has all of the trademarks of the uh, original series. Uh, it is laden with references to the show. It is, this is made, and it's never once condescending to the original show. This was obviously made by people who are ecstatic that they get to do an Adam West Batman story. Oh god, yeah. You have uh, uh, one of the examples is uh, you know all all the classic things are there. The camera angles are right. Uh, that like all the effects there are present. You can see absolutely being done with a TV budget yeah. on the show. Yeah. Uh, they have you know walking up the buildings. You know, uh, walking uh, up the side of a building, and then later, just to accentuate the point walk you know with gravity boots on walking up the side of a spaceship there are a few places where i could tell they were maybe working with a bigger budget than they would have for a live action show but only right few, that's one of them but i don't want to get into what they are because they would be spoilers may, may, sorry maybe a minor spoiler but just something to accentuate the point they're like points of ridiculousness like uh like many 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 points of just flat ridiculousness where you know it's obviously supposed to be yeah which the original show was a comedy after all let's not forget oh yeah oh yeah it was but yeah there's the thing where uh they're on like a space shuttle going to a space station and uh and uh the villains like walk out of the back to uh to hitchhike it it's like where's the gravity coming from <laughs> it's yeah it's so great this is um, it's subtle. Uh, Brad 
Brad Jones nailed it in his review, uh, saying that this really looks like a really good Hanna-Barbera cartoon, is what the animation looks like. It does. Characters are are really fluid. Uh, It's nice colors. It's pretty. Uh, The city shots are really nice, actually. Um, The action's good. The action looks really good and fluid. Some of the best... I mean, this really is, hands down, and I've seen all of them, keep in mind, except for the most recent Batman Unlimited movie, and I'm having a hard time getting through those. Those are so bad. The Killing Joke is still worse. Um, but it, 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 this is, it's very, I don't know, it's very, I don't know, I'm try- it's definitely the best Batman animated movie we've had this year. Uh, again, I don't want to talk about spoilers. I really don't want to get into the jokes. I don't want to get into too much here. I just want to say watch it because it is so funny. Um, There's a lot to discover. I will say this. Adam West still sounds like he's having a great time in the part. Um, He he does sound his age, but he's still giving his all, and so I don't care. Same for Julie Newmar. Burt Ward, on the other hand, doesn't sound a day different. And wow, does he have some amazing jokes in this. Some of the holies that he gets to fling out are amazing. Including one very vicious slam at uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I'll leave that for y'all to discover, but it's good. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, the only uh, the only indications that this was made in the modern day, uh, like besides, of course they did make an animated 66 Batman series, and this looks nothing like that. It looks... So- like above and beyond better but uh other than that the only you know the only indications that this wasn't made during that period were of course uh just some of the modern jabs yeah. that's it it really does and it, it 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 again it's never condescending to it like i can imagine if this was made in the 90s they would have been making fun of the 60s series and that misses the point the 60s series was in and of itself funny you can't make fun of that. Batman Forever. Yeah. Batman, Batman Robin. Uh, yeah. Those missed the points. We so know how badly. that we know how that went. Yeah. This gets it. This is a love this is ecstatic to be a 1966 Batman story. This is really happy to be that. And it embraces the silliness. It it goes over the top. And at uh seventy eight minutes, it's a really satisfying filling movie. Which The Killing Joke wasn't. Like, I was glad when The Killing Joke was over, but that was for a different reason. It, But The Killing Joke didn't feel like a satisfying true movie. This feels like a movie. I mean, it, it definitely feels a lot like TV, to be clear, but again, it's imitating a TV show. But this was this was a real gem that Warner Brothers almost buried. Um, I really wish they'd given it more hype. But I think they underestimated how excited people were going to be for it to exist. They're making a sequel, aren't they? They are making a sequel with uh, uh, William Shatner is going to be Two Face in it. Oh, I'm gonna we will we will do a mini-sode when that one comes out. Um, I all I can say is this is extremely good. Um, by the time that we release this cast, it should be out on Redbox for y'all to rent, or at least it'll be heading there. The credits even the credit sequence uh, even has a nice little mod to uh, uh, Batman the movie. Yeah, well, I mean that's just it. If you know your references, this thing is wall to wall references. I mean, they pack them in, and the places it goes are so good. I just this is so much fun. And that kind of brings me to the central point that I want to make, comparing and contrasting the two. We all think of, you know, we're so hung up on canon that I think we sometimes need to acknowledge that a quality interpretation is a quality interpretation. The killing joke is closer to what we think of as the canon image of Batman. But it's not fun and it's not good. Return of the Cape Crusaders is its own thing. Yeah, hence, hence them casting Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill in the parts. I really cannot say this enough. Conroy needs to quit. He sounds so disinterested. My theory is he only did it for Hamill. He only did it out of respect for Hamill, because Hamill really wanted to do it. And it shows. Hamill really tries. 
my theory is he only did it out of respect to his fellow voice actor. Uh, he, ha- he has a legendary, legendarily very friendly relationship with him, and I think that's what he was trying to do. He didn't try at all. Uh, he gets better when it actually comes to the adaptation, but he sounds so bored during the first half, and he's not even really that good in the second half. He's out of it. At least take a break, man. Come back when you give a shit, because, yeah. But again, it's funny, because then you've got Weston Ward, and God, they just sound like they're having so much fun. Yeah, I mean, how, and Newmar. Yeah, Newmar's really good, too. I really cannot underrate her, because she really, even though she sounds her age, she's still giving it everything she's got, and it's great. Oh, guys, this one is so much fun. It is. Yeah, they sh- they showed uh, for the theater. Uh, they actually showed one of the DVD special features at the end of it, and they show her in the recording studio, and she is dressed in all black, and she is wearing a uh, she is wearing a cat ears headband. So she is basically dressed as Catwoman while she's doing the performance. Yeah, this one is just so much fun, and I'm so glad we got to do it. Um, so yeah, so. Those are my thoughts on the movies. Seriously, Return of the Cape Crusaders is so much worth your time. And The Killing Joke... Guys, I want to stress something. I tried. I really did try to give this an objective review, and I think I did. Yeah, you. I think you messaged me halfway through, and it's like, well, it's actually not bad so far. And then the adaptation kicked in. I really maintain, <sighs> if it had just stayed the lame Batgirl story, I still would have had some critiques, but I was... at but at least it felt like a story I could eventually get into. And then it becomes what it becomes. It's just, it's, it's, it's kudos to nerds. Um, the, what, what I forgot whether it was Comic-Con or I think it was Comic-Con, yeah, it, it, the killing joke panel It premiered there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they showed the film and then, uh, the creators were all there. They savaged it. They savaged it. They did. Yeah, they said, so what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Brian Azzarello famously flipped his uh, shit out there. Um, you know, Azzarello's not that good anyway, so go figure. You can find us on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com. That's the source of the cast. Uh, download the Podbean app. That's a more direct thing. Or, you know, we're on iTunes, too. And you can rate and review us on iTunes, and we'd really appreciate if we do. We'd love the feedback. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you got to say about us, go ahead. We, we love feedback. Yeah, I really haven't been hyping the iTunes in, of late. Uh, you need to do that. Uh, you can find us on the side blog, where you can find many of uh, Austin's comic f- Comics for Rent uh, articles. Uh, if you want to, you know, check out what some of the other Batman films are like, uh, filmroomlobby.wordpress.com. So you can find us on Facebook. Like us there. Add to our nice little uh, pile of likes. Pretty awesome. Um, be an actual person who likes Facebook. us. Be an actual person that likes us, yes. And not just, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's about. But yeah, um... Yeah, Facebook.com slash the film room. Uh, Twitters. We have Twitters. Uh, Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Permanent Man PRD. We as a collective are at Film Room Cast. And you can also email us at uh, Film Room Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, the Patreon. Yes, Patreon.com slash the film room. Uh, yeah, the, the Patreon funds have been really active of late you know it helped us watch a couple of the films and uh it helped you be able to watch uh cape crusader or return of the yeah. cape crusader when yeah when you had no other access to it so that's so the funds really do help people so yeah thank you nathan thank you bridget thank you john from Natoli, thank you sheila thank you daisy very good day support all right so next time same bat time <laughs> same bat time
A frozen TV dinner factory. Appropriate, as you'll all soon be put on ice in Gotham State Penitentiary. Show yourselves. <laughs> oh, stop me if you've heard this one, fat man. Why don't eggs tell jokes? Because they crack each other up. Oh, ha, ha, ha.